Bonjour, lovely listeners. Welcome to episode 109 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your titular Stace. I've just realised I should have said Bienvenue as Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour because I was doing a French thing, but oh well. Mr. Boat on that, didn't I? Uh, joining me in the parlour this month is my good friend with resplendent hair, Stephen Cranston. Hello. Hello. How's it go? No, I don't want to ask how it's going. What's a good way to start a conversation that's not like, isn't everything shit right now? Um, you can ask how it's going, but I'll have to give you an honest answer. What's <laughs> <laughs> um, up to you? How is church? Let's ask, let's ask that. How's church doing? <laughs> He's full of piss, like usual. Oh, good. Good, good. Just for those who don't know who Cranny is, uh, he's one of the co-hosts of Turtle Power Pod, and Church is the official Turtle Power Pod cat, um, <laughs> who is, yeah, generally quite full of piss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Should we just launch into some pop culture then, since neither of us want to talk about the world at large? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Just Let's just skim over the small talk. Nobody yeah. wants it. Nobody needs it. We're both alive, and that'll yeah. do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, being the gracious host that I am, I'll let you go first and talk about some stuff that you've been watching, doing. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of the movies. I've been catching up with the the Marvel franchise. Natalie had never seen Endgame, so we watched that together. <gasps> I've seen Endgame a bit, and I'm not actually exaggerating. At least ten times now, I think. Yeah, I like Endgame. I don't think it's as good as Infinity Wars. Hmm. I, I think that uh, it's fun, but structurally, it, it, as far as a, a, a tight movie package goes, it's not as good. I didn't really like... Uh, we can talk about spoilers for Endgame at this point, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a good uh, year, hasn't it, or something? It has, yeah. And honestly, yeah. you know, you can fast forward if you don't want to hear. <laughs> I didn't really care for Thanos coming back. I didn't really like that it was like old Thanos. I feel like it kind of mm. got rid of all the cool character development that he uh, accrued in Infinity War. Yeah, I can um, see that. And then it just feels kind of uh, disjointed. Some parts feel too fast, and I think other parts feel a little too long. I think they could have spent a lot more time on the whole heist aspect, um, the time travel stuff. Yeah, yeah. Having watched it like a million times because that's how cool I am. Um <laughs> I will say, because when I reviewed this on the parlour, it was literally about eight hours after I'd seen it. Um, we saw it as a midnight screening, and then the next day we were all so fucking jazzed. We were like, let's do a podcast about it. So I think I was a little bit, like, sleep-deprived and a little bit, you know, potentially uh, blinkered because it was. Like, when, the first time I saw it, I was like, holy shit, this is impactful. The one thing that I've, I think after repeated viewings that I think goes against it quite a bit is in terms of the the impact and the stakes so I think in Infinity War, I didn't, even though I knew it was the first half of a film, I did not think it would end with half of our heroes turning into lint. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's even even knowing it's going to happen, it's still powerful. Yeah, I mean that. But every time Spider Man starts to like not feel so good, I'm like, oh, and get a little tear in the eye. Um, yeah. Whereas in Endgame, when you consider the scope of what happened in Endgame, the fact really that the only the only the only really two people died, uh, and one of them died way before the big old battle at the end, just seems a bit wonky. Um, yeah, which, I do. I do think yeah. that that scene when I like the big, I like the opening. It's very very tragic. I like that part a lot. Mm. I thought the middle was okay, and then the end I think is where it really starts to lose me. 
Um, I thought it was really powerful where Doctor Strange opens up all the portals and everyone yeah. comes through. But then after that, like the whole fight scene is so fan servicey. I kind of get that uh, that superhero fatigue. Yeah. See, I, I'm really torn on that scene because every t- when I'm actually watching it, I always feel like really pumped, like yes goodness wins um but then i get i always get to the end and i'm like they're really you know a good handful of you should be dead like let's be honest you know and especially because there's a lot of people there who are like i mean you don't see any like bodies on the ground of of like i don't know sorcerer number 302 who happened to come through the portal like it's just a bit there's no real stakes at the end there um, exactly. Which, when you consider that the movie kicks off actually making me give a shit about Hawkeye, which I didn't even think could be done. Yeah, the cold <laughs> opening is amazing. Holy shit. And like, then just literally. how sad and depressed everyone is. Mm, yeah, because we, we were talking about this when we reviewed it the day after, and we said the thing about that sequence with Hawkeye is that prior to that, we'd only seen people have to react to the snap, having a vague idea that it might happen if that makes like they know what was happening whereas hawkeye is just having a fucking picnic and then he turns around and his family aren't there <laughs> you're like he- he's got no idea what's caused that yeah you know. and then you think about like all the other families that that happened to good god uh, yeah like i think that's what makes it really hit home because he's the only one who doesn't have a clue he's the the every man of the situation and that's what you really relate to whereas at the end it's sort exactly. of like how are you all still alive I don't, not that i wanted a load of people to die because let's face it it's marvel we know that's not going to happen and if they'd have killed off spider-man i might have done a murder <laughs> <laughs> but it is weird that it's like they, they build thanos up to be like this ultimate can't be beaten there's only one chance in millions that we'll that we'll do this and there's like no really no sort of carnage that you should be expecting yeah like, i mean even the bit where he blows up the avengers you know when he first appears in once they've done the snap and then he immediately appears how did how did any of them live through that explosion like the entire avengers building just fell on them like, no <laughs> like that's not that, like I say, not that I want them dead. And um, right. And every time Captain America grabs Thor's hammer, I do a tiny inner dance. But yeah, that there are some redeeming qualities. I love that part too. Mm. I oh, man, anytime that Captain Marvel shows up, I haven't seen Captain Marvel the movie. The only thing I know about Captain Marvel is from basically Endgame, and I hate her so mm. much. I don't hate... Really? I hate the writing, and I hate how they utilized her. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. You disagree? I do. I <laughs> I think... I, I do agree that it's very convenient that she's missing for the most part of the movie, because she's sort of, you know, she's the Superman of the Marvel Universe in, that, in the cinematic sense. Yeah, um, I didn't buy her leaving in the first place. The whole time, I kept thinking, like, where were you in Infinity War? Oh, I had, there's more planets in the galaxy. It's like, well, yeah, that's true and that's cool. But also, this Thanos guy is talking about destroying half of the life in all of the universe. Yeah, I think when the Hulk turns up in your, you know, in your living room having a cry saying, this guy's going to kill everybody, what do we do? You should probably get Nick Fury to bring in the super-powered alien bird. Like, that seems like a good idea. I do love, though, when she turns up during the fight at the end, where you just, at first, you just see all of Thanos' ships 
turn their weapons off to the side and everybody yeah. on the ground is like, what are they what are they doing? Do they realise they're fighting us? And then she just poof appears. I was punching the air at that point. <laughs> I do it's, think you should watch Captain Marvel though. It's a very good film. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I've heard very mixed things, but I try to save my opinions until I actually see the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was cool that she showed up, but I also didn't like that she showed up because I felt that I felt that they had to get rid of her because she is so powerful. That's why they wrote her out of most of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like her coming back and being so powerful almost trivializes all of the work that all of the rest of the Avengers do. It's almost like she comes in and just like uh, white knights um, um <laughs> and then leaves again. Yeah. Yeah, I think we did say, I did say when we reviewed this before that there's that really cool bit where like all the lady Avengers like team up behind her and then they're all like yeah she's got she's got backup it's all good and i was like she doesn't need your backup <laughs> like yeah no offense lads come on <laughs> i appreciate the representation it uh, was a lovely image and it did make my little nerdy girl heart do a little woof but it was entirely unnecessary <laughs> yeah it's total fan service mm. and it's like on one hand it's like oh that's kind of fun but then on the other hand it's like this is all superfluous and then I think, like, Captain Marvel, like, she's so powerful, she could have destroyed all of Thanos' forces, like, right off the bat. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I suppose it's one of those things, though, where with that you you could argue that perhaps she was trying to avoid friendly fire, maybe? I don't know. So they don't, they don't really go into how her powers really work. Even in her own movie, she doesn't really have any idea what she's doing. <laughs> for, yeah. for a large part of it. It's like... With Superman, who's obviously not a Marvel character, but I feel like Captain Marvel, though I don't know who came first, I'm assuming it's Superman, I feel like Captain Marvel is, like, Marvel's answer to Superman. Mm. Um, With Superman, he is all-powerful, but he has this, like, moral dilemma inside of him that he doesn't want to hurt anybody or kill anyone. And the the whole idea is he's he's all-powerful, but he's always holding back. He wants mankind to, like, thrive on their own. And then when the the stakes get high enough, like when he fights like Darkseid, he like fully unleashes and like it's super cool. But with Captain Marvel, the way they wrote her in just Endgame, by the way, I feel like they just had to come up with excuses for her not to be there because she would so easily single-handedly destroy everything. Yeah, it's quite depressing at the start of the movie where they find out where Thanos is and immediately beat him within like a minute. <laughs> Like yeah. it's on the one hand, it's cool from the perspective of like I don't want to spoil Captain Marvel the movie for you, but I think I gave it a lot more credit than it possibly was due, just because there are so few female superheroes that get the center stage that when there are films of them, as long as they are not abject trash, <laughs> then I'm likely to adore them. Like for example, I know that there are problems with Wonder Woman. I know that, and I will happily admit all its flaws, but it's also one of my favourite superhero movies because that sequence where she clambers out of the trenches and there's all that building, bubbling, orchestral, stringy music, and she's batting away bullets with her bracelets. Like, I literally cried in the cinema all three times that I saw it, and I knew what was coming, and, I, and I'd listened to the soundtrack outside of the film, so I knew what to expect from every angle. <laughs> but it's just so powerful seeing, like, a beautiful, elegant, powerful, empathetic female character succeeding in a 
in a way that you don't normally see. Yeah. So I think yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of in in, in the Marvel movies. I, there's a lot of leeway for me with what happens with the female characters. Or alternatively, on the other hand as well, sometimes I'm more annoyed by what happens with them um, because they do get the short shrift a lot. <laughs> and I feel like that's my problem with Endgame. And I just want to reiterate, that's my only lens of Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, is that it's not that the character Captain Marvel was bad. It's just the way that they wrote her in was lazy to me. Mm. Um, I I wanted to care more about her, but... If she just shows up like at the last minute and stomps everyone, it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I can't remember. Did Captain Marvel come out before Endgame? Because I feel like it's much more impactful. No, she's not in Infinity War at all. I'm just trying I... to remember where her movie comes in the chronology as well, because I think if you watched, if you're watching them in order, and her movie, her solo movie, doesn't come before Endgame, then that doesn't make a lot of sense. Because I think there's a lot more impact to her if you know how she got to where she's in that movie, if that makes sense. No, it it does. And obviously I can't, I have no idea. I get what you're saying, (laughs) but I have no frame of reference because I haven't seen it. So yeah, it's just the, the, without spoiling it, like a, like a large portion of her film is about the little guy learning to stand up for themselves kind of thing, fighting for themselves and for other people kind of stuff. So it makes a lot more sense perhaps that she would, fly off and help other planets that don't have their own Avengers, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's super cool. My only gripe is when Thanos gets involved, I then mm. question her motives, and obviously that's the writer's fault. Yeah, yeah. Speaking guess- of uh, soundtracks, if you don't mind my uh, a little divergence here. A little wee segue, go for it. Have you seen Hamilton? No. I really don't know what to do about Hamilton because I'm sort of at that point now where I feel like it's been bigged up so much there's a strong chance I'm going to dislike it just just because I'll have it on too high of a pedestal. <laughs> um, you know, I thought the same thing, and that's kind of what I was going to talk about here. Just like you knew the soundtrack to Wonder Woman, I knew the soundtrack to Hamilton. So I was like, I mean, Hamilton's basically an opera. If I know all the music, what am I going to get out of it? And then when I actually watched it, it blew me away. It's it's not just the music. Like with a movie, you get the music and you get the visual at the same time, mm. um, and it really amplifies it. I highly recommend it. It is a wonderful musical. It's like it's like a modern, more modern version of La Mis. Okay. The thing that sort of semi puts me off is that I don't know an awful lot about American history from neither do Americans. <laughs> That's why they had to make a musical. This, this will learn you. My concern was that I was going to watch it and take everything in it as like, yes, of course, that's totally 100% true, and that's exactly what they were like. And then someone down the line will tell me, no, actually, they were massive bellends or whatever, and then I'll be quite upset about it. Um, <laughs> it's my really well. Like, um, So the people that were actually like good role models for the United States – are depicted well, and the ones that were secretly like horrible slave owners are, de- are depicted like assholes. Oh, okay, that's good. Because that was another concern of mine is that it might sort of like you know sugarcoat some things. Um, <laughs> they do take the piss out of uh, King George quite a bit, though. <laughs> See, like, my knowledge of history in general, I don't know why I prefaced it with American history when I said that earlier, but my knowledge of history in general is pretty pretty bad. 
so yeah <laughs> part of me was like should i just not watch it because i won't even get it <laughs> sure yeah um it's extremely approachable yes there is politics but it's really more of a story about um a man coming up from nothing to becoming something wonderful and then being killed for it <laughs> sounds great <laughs> yeah <laughs> to be fair i do i do love a good musical so i'm i probably will watch it at some point but i feel like at the moment there's so much discourse about it and i feel like if i watched it and i didn't like it that i would get like murdered there's at least two people in my you know friendship group that i think would murder me if i said i didn't like hamilton so i might be three be now. <laughs> shocked if you didn't mm-hmm. but i would if you need if you watch it and you don't like it you can talk to me and i promise i won't judge you for it <laughs> are you sure <laughs> i'll give you that out yeah okay good because <laughs> uh, i always get worried when people recommend me things because i'm like now i'm under pressure to enjoy this and what if i don't <laughs> No, I, pro- I probably will watch it at some point because, I mean, what else do we do with our days right now but watch TV <laughs> and read books? Yeah, it's it's good. It's uh, good for a cry too, and it's good to get those emotions out these days. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I am. Um, I I have been catching up on films that I should have seen that I haven't seen, and you will know this because I preface this whole invitation to the podcast with this, but I have recently watched Fight Club and I have many, many thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm really curious to hear them. Okay, well, so the, the first thing I want to say before I kick off like any of the like spoilery stuff and the stupid conspiracy theory stuff that really pisses off my husband is that I really, really enjoyed this film. It is fantastically made, fantastically acted. It is uh, an insane story. Um, yeah, David that, Fincher is the perfect director for this. It was, I've never read the book. I should probably say that off the bat. I might do now. I don't. I haven't quite decided how long I want to leave it before I get it, <laughs> just in case. But yeah, so the thing about this film for me is that I think there are many different ways you can interpret it. And this is one of the things that my husband does not agree with me on and thinks I might be an idiot, which is why why he has officially banned all all Fight Club talk. Um, So he probably won't even listen to this episode. (laughs) Um, But the... So spoilers, guys, for a 21-year-old movie coming your way right now. The sort of big, like... The thing that I even I knew about before going in is that the Brad Pitt character Tyler Durden is not a real guy. Um, right. That that he is a sort of alternate personality of Edward Norton's character who doesn't have a name. Um, no, in the book, I think he's basically just the narrator. You could kind of argue that Edward Norton is um, uh, Tyler Durden, but mm-hmm. you know that's that's the whole film. It's like who's the real person. Yeah. It's also hard to talk about two different people when they have the same names. <laughs> yes. So I'll, I'll go I'll go with the narrator for for the Edward Norton one. Um so the whole big conceit is that like obviously Tyler Durden is not technically real figment of narrator's imagination or like an alternate personality. So one of the things that I that I was struck with and I don't know if it's because I was watching this with the knowledge that Brad Pitt's character wasn't real is that I don't think Helena Bonham Carter's character Marla was either. And (laughs) so this is one of the things that my husband thinks is a totally batshit read of this movie, but there are a few reasons for it that I'll go into and I'll see how you feel. Now I will say, I don't think that that's super crazy of a theory. Okay. (laughs) I don't, I don't know if I 
agree with it because I don't remember. Well, you state your examples. Okay, so the reason that I thought this, first of all, is because she's in the way that she looks. She's very caricaturish. She's got bonkers hair. She's always smoking a cigarette. She always is wearing something ill-fitting or weird. She plays or... every Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, she does. She does weird things like just crosses the street in traffic and somehow doesn't get hit by all the cars. Like they acknowledge that she's there, but they she never actually. There's she's never in any danger, which strikes me as really odd, unless she's not real. But the things the things that struck me the most, and this might be where I'm really reaching, is first of all, I don't think there's many people who would be messed up enough to be going to support groups for things that they don't have, let alone two of them in all of the same support groups. Why is she in every single one that he's in, even the ones that are very biology-specific that would not apply to her? The erectile dysfunction. Yeah, the testicular cancer, the, you know, there's... So there's, that was already in my mind, pretty much straight from the off, like, why is she there? Well, they kind of uh, touch on that I mean, it's the same reason that Edward Norton character's going. It's like, he's so fucked up and he's so numb with his life that the only way he can get any reprieve is by basically by going to these places where people are in horrible shape and can basically cry with him um, that he can get any sleep. And I think they kind of are saying that she's like the, the, the parable to that, that she's like, uh, he found someone that's, that's just as fucked up in the head as he, as he is. Yeah. Yeah. See, but this is why I think that the multiple readings things is really interesting. Cause I can totally see the symbolism from what you're saying, but there's also little things in things that she says or things that she does that kind of link to either things that we've seen or heard the narrator or Tyler say and do, but she wasn't there for. So, yeah. like, one of the big ones that stuck out to me was, I think within within a scene of each other, there's a bit where the narrator is talking about something that Tyler's doing and referring it referring to it as Cinderella style. And then in literally the next scene, Marla mentions a glass slipper. And, like, I know that's, like, super reaching. But to me, it's like, well, of course, if, this, if Cinderella's in the narrator's head, then, of course, it would be in both... Tyler's and Marla's too, if they're both aspects of him. I don't I think it's super reaching. <laughs> uh, I was just, I, I was just going to agree with you a little bit. I think there's a lot of little details in the movie that David Fincher put in that are very, very thought out. So <laughs> any little detail like that, uh, you're probably onto something. Oh, okay. Because this was the thing that I, I was actually really enjoying trying to like look out for these little things. Um, yeah. After that, there's, there's, uh. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's actual um, intentional continuity errors. Did you notice any of them? No. Okay, tell me about those. Uh, the the biggest one um, is in the car crash. Um, I believe and it's been a while that Tyler Durden is the one driving the car, or no, Edward Norton is. Do you remember? Yeah. Where he, when he closes his eyes. Yeah. Edward Norton's driving. I th- oh, think so. <laughs> well, none of us can remember, but either way. Whoever is driving, when the car crashes, the other one is the one that gets out of the the driver's seat. Ah, okay, that's interesting. Because yeah. I the other the other sort of theory that I had that Rich really hates, and this is one that's when I say it's the theory I have, it's not something I think is definite. It's just little things make me think, oh, this could be a thing. Is that I'm not sure Bob's real either. <laughs> and one of the reasons for that, and again, this might be. 
this might be one of the purposeful things i don't know is you know towards the start of the film when they when he sees a car crash and somebody comments about there being a fat guy in the back or a fat guy driving because his large shirt is stuck to the like glove compartment or something it's like welded to a piece of the car from the accident it's the same shirt that meatloaf is wearing later in the movie and he's a big dude and i Mm. don't know that that's yeah (laughs) um so there's lots of little things like that that made me think but then the overall the overarching thing that sort of semi-bothered me is i don't believe that bob or project mayhem really could have happened because i don't believe there's that many people in such a small space in such a small time that would be happy living in abject squalor doing these insane terrorist things it like it now do you want to hear my outlandish nonsense theory that I like 99.9% yeah. think is absolute bollocks, but it popped into my head and now I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. So my, my absolutely bonkers theory, and I'm very happy for people to tell me that I'm an absolute twat for even thinking this, but when it got to the end of the film and he's watching like basically his entire world blow up around him, I thought, Oh, wouldn't it be funny if all of this was just like a gas induced nightmare and now his apartment is blowing up. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a very common theory as far as the movie goes that when he he shoots himself um, that like everything's like a big fever dream it's like his life flashing before his eyes kind of a thing mm. so yeah. yeah there's there's a lot of uh, potential uh, weird theories for <laughs> Fight Club yeah because it was just one of those movies that I just I really liked how whichever way you look at it it's got really interesting things to say about toxic masculinity and mental health and physical health and support networks and that's why I was quite interested with the idea that how much of it is real and how much of it isn't um because yeah. I didn't I didn't I haven't looked up any of it online before I talked to you about it because I didn't want to start falling down conspiracy theory holes so like all of the stuff I've just waffled is just stuff that I was thinking as I was watching the film I'll send you a really great um, philosophical breakdown of it that I enjoy. Yeah, it's just it's such an interesting film to me because I think you know if it is if it is just that Tyler Durden is not real, like it's a really interesting take on like you say mental health and and toxic masculinity and all that sort of stuff. If it turns out that none of it is real, really, then it's an equally interesting look at essentially a psychotic breakdown, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. It's definitely like a my only there's only one take on the theory of Fight Club that I think is disgustingly wrong okay. and that's like gross like white dudes that think that it's that Tyler Durden is like someone that should be idolized and is living like the true like man life. Um yeah. but I think you hit it on the head. I think that essentially what Chuck Palahniuk is doing is villainizing that pure toxic masculinity side. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I came with the exact same conclusion. Yeah. Cause I think that actually reads quite interestingly. If you think that Marla might not be real, because I feel like um, if Marla is to be like the sort of feminine side of the narrator, the fact that her only interactions with the Tyler part, which is the, you know, the super masculine, hyper, hyper masculine, super, you know, sexually charged, all of her interactions with him are purely him trying to dominate her via sex, really. Um, yeah. And I think it's that's an interesting like dichotomy like as well. Too. Yeah, yeah. Which is what Tyler Durden is. It's like, it's this version of himself that he sees that he's like super repressed. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that goes to the whole, there's a lot of emasculization um, themes in the movie. Um, yes, a lot of talk of balls coming off, getting rid of yeah. balls. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't like this word, but there's a lot of use of the word faggot. Yes. Um, used very derogatively, basically saying to like, show emotion like he's doing in this support groups, like somehow makes him less of a man. Um, And Tyler Durden is like the extreme example of that. So it's like these two really extreme, I don't know, ideologies like fighting with each other. Yeah. I think it's such a, it's, I could probably talk about this film forever because it's such an interesting movie. I was absolutely fascinated. You know, when you watch a film and you can't stop thinking about it for like days that, that was pretty much me after watching this. And I, I don't know what I was expecting yeah. either because, obviously, I already knew, you know, the ending, as it were, because it's been in, like, you know, every top ten, oh, I bet you didn't see this twist coming type oh, thing. Oh, man. And- <laughs> the ending is so good, too, with the Pixies, Where Is My Mind, oh, when it comes in. I honestly, almost picked that for my song. <laughs> uh, that is a it – is, it's like a perfect song for that scene. It just, yeah, enhances that. Perfectly. That is another thing that fed into my idea that maybe Marla was part of his psyche as well, though, in that when you see them both from behind, because he's not wearing trousers, he's wearing a long black coat, she's wearing a long black dress, their silhouettes actually look very similar um, mm. from behind. And I wondered whether that there was a specific reason why he's not wearing, you know, trousers in that scene is <laughs> because of that. But that is uh, the thing with me is that I'm the kind of person who I love a good conspiracy theory. I very rarely believe in any of them, but I love the thought process that goes into some of this like banana stuff that people come up with. And I can 100% understand why my husband thinks I'm a total nutter from having watched this. And sounds like he's been a little close minded to me. (laughs) Well, I think in his head, it's very clear what he believes. Um, you know, the book was trying to say and what the, the film adaptation was trying to say. And I totally agree. And like like you were saying earlier, I think anybody who takes the reading that Tyler is somebody to be looked up to, it's like the kind of person who thinks that like Rick in Rick and Morty is actually a great guy and you should, you know, be more like him. I'm like, oh, like you The missing. Joker in The Dark Knight is like this awesome hero. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, no, you're missing the point so hard. Yeah. <laughs> But, but that's yeah, the think, problem with, like, smartly written satire, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll be watching this movie quite a lot more in the future just to pour over it, I think. But, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I know I'm, like, 21 years too late for that fucking train, but <laughs> I would have only been 14 when it came out. Leave me alone, guys. God. <laughs> I'm a yeah, I don't think your your theory is too... Too crazy. Um, I'm trying to think if I have more to, to say than that. Like it's, I feel like it's a possibility. I think the whole thing with that stuff is none of it's like really on the nose. Like you're not, yeah. you're supposed to be questioning pretty much everything that's going on, whether from like a moral standpoint, an ethical standpoint, or mm-hmm. a, is this really happening standpoint? Yeah, yeah. Because it's one of those things where. The movie is very cleverly done where there's not an awful lot of sequences where he's interacting with many people in the outside world, if that makes sense. Like the majority of the time he's interacting with Marla or the people of Project Mayhem or Tyler. And that's pretty much it. So it does leave it. Or his boss, yeah, which does leave it quite open as to. um, Which is also like a, a pure like fantasy. Like. That mm-hmm. could, might not have even actually happened. Like, it's just what he wanted to happen in his head. Like, it's what he was repressing. Yeah. Yeah, well, th- this is why, see, this is, oh, this is why this film is so, like, juicy. Because, you know, if you do think about it logically, like, what 
what boss would put up with the shit that he gave him? <laughs> you know, um, I've been told I got taken into my boss's office once just for having a conversation about who I was going to vote for because that was deemed inappropriate, you know, talk for the office. So I can't imagine ever basically telling my boss to shove it and then like kicking the shit out of myself <laughs> um, or, you know, printing off the rules to fight. Why was he printing off the rules to fight club? Doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> it's just such a, it's such an interesting movie. Cause I just, I, 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 if you don't know the point at which bits aren't really happening, if they are or aren't at all, it's like the whole film, it's like, Oh yeah. I just, I just find it wildly interesting that it's just, there's no, I don't think there's any way to know for sure. Like I will wholeheartedly accept people's reasoning for why they believe Marla's real, Project Mayhem's real, everything's happening. But similarly, if you were to come at me with the exact opposite and be like, nothing, none of it's real, literally, you know, his apartment exploding is where he dies and everything that's, you know, everything else is just like a gas filling in his house based nightmare. <laughs> I 100% believe that too. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating. And- I think my problem with with Rich especially is like I don't feel like I was coming into this expecting you to like say something that totally ruins like what what David Fincher like Chuck was going for but mm. none of your theories really get in the way of the actual theme of the movie. Mm. I think I think the the idea that a lot of the people that he interacts with are actually just further bits of his personality are um i find that really interesting because i think that's like you say it's not it's not ruining the overall message of the film no Um, but it's it's further giving you insight into his sort of thought processes and the way that his brain's working yeah Um, regardless every everything that you're shown is a version of like what the narrator is repressing in his life mm -hmm. like they're all they're all allegories, regardless if they're real characters or not. Yeah, 100%. Pretty much as soon as we finish recording, I'm probably going to dive onto the internet and start looking at all the conspiracy theories and being like, because <laughs> it's such an interesting movie to me. I just don't understand how Rich can say there's one, there's one like official reading of this film, because I just don't. I don't see that at all. Yeah, I mean, Chuck Palahniuk has come out and said some stuff about it, but I don't feel like even Chuck Palahniuk's like gotten really into like, oh, this character's real, this character's not real. Uh, I think he would be delighted to hear what you just <laughs> said, personally. Because <laughs> well, I don't uh, think any anything you said actually interferes with any of the themes of the movie, whether you believe what you said or not. Yeah, I yeah I am going to read the book now. I've just convinced myself while we were talking. It's good, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the movie being pretty faithful to the book, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give that a whirl. Uh, I imagine I might have to hit you up about that after I've read it, too, though, because I can't imagine the hubby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should, I should maybe interested. reread the book, too. I remember the book being a lot more of a mindfuck, because the way it's <laughs> I written... I thought the like, film was a mindfuck. Where? Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> but there's something about text that can really, like, mm. change the way you view things. Yeah. So, yeah, I... Uh, I commend your conspiracy theories. Oh, good. Yay! With the cranny seal of approval. (laughs) I'm so happy that you didn't just think... Because, like, the thing about this for me when I was trying to talk to Rich about it was I didn't necessarily want him to agree with my theories. I just wanted him to hear me out because I was so excited. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, these things that I spotted, like, is this a thing? Is it not a thing? It's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of the fun of that movie, I think. Mm, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to rewatch it, and I'm going to add the book to my, uh, you know, not to not to like, you know, 
toot my own horn, but my birthday is in September, so I might have to add it to my wish list. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited about my birthday, even though who knows what sort of a state we'll be in in September. Uh, my birthday was in April, which is towards the start of the lockdown. Mm. Uh, I actually had a wonderful time. I, I had a big Zoom party with a bunch of uh, my best friends, and we all got totally smashed. <laughs> yes, that sounds Just good. had a wonderful time. I, I remember, like, smiling and laughing so hard that it hurt. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah I, I, I feel like a lockdown birthday for me, if we are still in lockdown at that point, who knows, would be like a blessing and a curse. Because on the one hand, I am like a child when it comes to my birthday. I'm like, yeah, Kermit Arms, birthday! Woo! Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. I was doing it too, but I'm not on video, so you couldn't tell. So I, I love, it. like, I am 100% like, right, let's go out fucking five days in a row one day we're going bowling the next day we're going karaoke then i'm going to hit up my family and we're going to have a big sexy italian dinner like i am the queen of let's drag my birthday out for as fucking long as humanly possible but on on the other hand as well i also get very like tired uh socializing that much and i also get a little bit paranoid like if somebody doesn't turn up for whatever reason i'll be like oh it's because they hate me rather than like no they're actually having their own thing right now (laughs) so i don't know whether a lockdown birthday just takes out all of that stress and i can just be like shovel a cake in me (laughs) and then you can you can when you're thinking like oh my god i just ate an entire cake you can at least be like well it's my birthday well it's my birthday and nobody saw because no one's here (laughs) (laughs) anyway pop culture hey i've talked enough about fight club would you (laughs) like to talk about any other stuff you've been doing watching playing sure um are you into horror movies at all oh i'm trying to be so here's the thing right me and rich are on a very much Rich has been trying to watch a movie he has never seen before, the equivalent of every day, for a year, for the past three years. So now we're at the point where we're just digging out horror franchises with 15 parts, Um, (laughs) which possibly isn't the wisest decision. But it does mean that occasionally we'll stumble over like a little fucking hidden gem or somebody will say to us, stop watching fucking Hellraiser 10, it's bad put on this good horror movie instead and then we do and it's great (laughs) um i watched the wailing last night with my friend over zoom have you seen that one i haven't even heard of it it is a korean movie that came out in 2016 Mm -hmm. it's intense i I don't know a good way to explain it it kind of subverts a lot of genres but it's sort of like it'll be like five minutes of like happy jokey like family stuff and then it'll be like it'll cut to a horrible scene where someone is just screaming in korean oh god um i the ending i don't it's not a movie you can go into being like at the end of this i'm gonna understand what the fuck is going on um (laughs) okay because even when they give it to you at the end it's like everything contradicts itself and the, even the director's gone on record and said, like, uh, sometimes he likes to make shit that just doesn't have answers just to confuse people. Oh, no, that would that would screw me right up. I love things with a nice, neat little bow ending. <laughs> yeah, not this. But as far as, like, horror and dread goes and building suspense and terror, it's beautiful. 
Ooh. Okay. See, that's intriguing because having watched what I can only imagine is probably at least 200 horror films in the past like, year and a half. Maybe um, five of those were, were excellent, I would imagine. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of them that are just like campy slasher fun, which I 100% don't mind. Like, I'll I'll watch a what is sometimes sh- schlock is okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but there are a lot of films that think they're a lot scarier than they are because people don't know how to do tension. Yeah, um, there's like a lot of films where it's like, oh, it's a little bit quiet right now, loud noise, and then they think that that's an acceptable way to make you shit yourself. Which, for teenagers. Yeah, I just, I'm so not up for a jump scare. Like, I think a jump scare, the only one I could tell you that really works was one from Audition, and it was a guy in a sack, and that's all I'm going to say. But, like, I was not anticipating it, and I almost did a wee. Because um, <laughs> I watched that for the first Audition time. Audition is another one of those movies where it's just Ooh. like, the whole movie is just pure dread. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's the tension in that film because I just kept thinking like, God, what is going to happen now? And that's that's the thing that I think a lot of horror movies are lacking. Um, we watched we watched a film the other day called Relic, which is um, it's actually from this year. It's an Australian horror film. Which I don't know that one. It's going to be difficult to to really recommend it because it is very obviously an allegory for dementia and watching your family members deteriorate in front of your eyes <laughs> like that Which is, is very the- sad mm. but you can't good horror cannot be too on the nose mm. um that's my problem that's my big problems with get out and um us i fucking love those movies and i love uh that there's black representation in it but i don't like that he there's always a there's a part in all those movies where he explains very clearly what's going on yeah. Um, and I think that that kind of detracts from the story a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. Like, when I was saying earlier that I like things in a neat little bow, I mean in the sense of, I don't I don't want that bow to be visible, but I want to know that everything's tied up, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want it to be spoon-fed to me like I'm an idiot who doesn't yes. understand film. <laughs> um, but I do want it to have answers for me. <laughs> That's kind of where I... Lie. The thing about Relic is that it's not so much spoon feeding you, and it does have an an ending that I think tips it above a lot of films that are very like, oh, this is about mental health, but it's horror kind of thing. And it has. Did you ever play or watch anybody play the demo video game PT? Yeah. There are some sequences in this film that really put me in the mind of PT, and PT had me on the edge of my seat and almost doing a cry both times I watched games Game Grumps play it. I was not good with that. Uh, don't like going round and round in a loop, um, not knowing what's going to fucking be there the next time I'm in the same shit in place. Hated it. So scary. And I think that's what really worked about this movie, like you were saying about um, The Wailing, is that there's a lot of sequences where the horror is in the not knowing. It's not in the thing, the scary thing that's in your face. It's in the what might be around this corner you know what am i gonna find over there (laughs) like it's a very tense movie i'd be really intrigued actually if you were to watch it to find out what you think because me and rich took very different things from the ending which made him give it a a a worse review than i did like i've it's in my top five films of the year spoilers for my christmas episode where i talk about my top five films of the year (laughs) Um, there's still time to to there is still time to bump it out 
yeah, whereas Rich did not like the ending at all. So it's it, it's really interesting to me, and I'm very intrigued to see what my other friends think of the film. I thought it was stunning, the ending, and it wasn't what I was anticipating at all, which might be why I liked it more, maybe. Oh, what's it called again? <laughs> Relic. It has the wrong title because there's not there's not really anything relic but if if i was going to give it a title i'd give it the title hereditary but that's taken by a horror film already <laughs> which is so. hereditary is a fantastic horror movie uh, mm. in my opinion mm. i i liked it a lot and when i say a lot i mean a lot a lot up until i don't know how much i want to spoil this because uh, it's fairly old isn't it it's like a couple of years at least we could, we could just put a spoiler tag yeah i liked it up until it was witches you know, the the bits where, like, for example, uh, the, the kid in the classroom keeps twatting his head off the desk is terrifying to me. I was like, holy shit, imagine not being in control of your own body and you've got no fucking idea what's happening. And and the bits where she's, like, creeping on the wall in the background and he doesn't quite know where she is. And I was like, oh, my God, this movie's super tense. But then, like, as soon as it gets to the bit where it's like, I, I think I tuned out so much, I can't even remember the exact details, but it feels like they were in a treehouse or something, and there was, like, witches and a ritual, and I was like, oh, I don't care. That's not what I wanted from this. Oh, man, I love that stuff. <laughs> I also hated Midsummer. Um, oh, man, I love Midsummer. <laughs> See, that was another one me and Rich really differed on. I found that movie wildly boring, uh, and I, I was just like, no, cut, piss off. Whereas Rich was like, Stace, this is super tense and terrifying. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very, very slow build. It's It's not even a horror movie. It's more of like a terror movie. But there is like this tension, I think, the whole time. Because the, the opening scene of that movie is fucking awful. Not like awful isn't bad, but I mean like it's it's heart-wrenching. Mm. So when all this like happy, like, I don't know, I don't know the word, not Nordic, oh. Swedish, Swedish, yeah, Viking, I forgot the, the word, but whatever style it was happens, mm. it's sort of like this relief, but like it's all building and you... I knew that something fucking terrible was going to happen while it was here or towards the end. And then the fact that it's, uh, it's such like a fairy tale movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think it's fantastic. See, I think it's visually stunning and I think all the performances are great, but I just could not get involved in the story of it at all. Like, and I don't know whether it was that it didn't engender any sort of empathy in me, like the characters weren't. I don't know. I just I even just the, the even the female lead. I find that she is like the most easy to empathize with out of everyone. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose I sort of did, but I could. I felt like I could see from a mile off that she was going to end up being the thing that that you know did the awful thing. If that makes sense. Like, you know how... I don't know if I follow. So I thought it was pretty obvious from the very start that because she was a bit sort of suspicious of what was happening, that she was actually going to end up being the one who, like, sort of engendered herself with the Swedish group of folks. Who, I can't think of what... <laughs> like, I'm having a total brain fart on the word for it. Um, but she sort of ends up sort of ensconced in their sort of law and ends up being the one divvying out like the sort of punishment as it were i felt like that was very obvious from the start and i was just waiting for that to happen if that I makes mean, sense no i think that makes sense and i think that's true but i mean the way they set her up like the whole reason she goes is like everything in her life leading up to that is so 
awful that like she's she's ready for this like hero's journey like she needs to to try something new yeah. um, so <laughs> there's a I don't know if you're a fan of YouTube series called Red Letter Media. I don't think I've ever watched them. They do, like, movie reviews and uh, things like that. They do make a point that, like, her face for the last, like, half hour is basically just the same. (laughs) (laughs) Which I agree with, but is also, like, I feel like that's where the character is at at that point. Like, I don't know if she's necessarily going to live her life out with these uh, druids, but she at least decides to make some choices while she's mm-hmm. in their presence. Yeah. I uh, I envied her flower dress, I've got to say. It's quite impressive. Yeah. It's a good, good big flower dress. I do keep like thinking about potentially doing that as a Halloween costume, but the sheer effort and also the potential for sweat is quite high, I think. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah, it might be a bad idea. But <laughs> last year in, at Halloween, I wore a wig for like half an hour and was immediately like, well, I wish I was dead. <laughs> Like, it's too hot in here. Help. <laughs> Sorry, I sort of bogarted you talking about the whaling for a bit there, didn't I? But um... <laughs> No, we kind of got in. I was going to bring up uh, uh, Ari Aster. Um, we disagree, but uh, those Midsummer and uh, Hereditary are, like, way up there as far as, like, my favorite uh, terror slash horror movies. Mm-hmm. Do you like Robert Eggers' movies? Um, he did The Witch... And the lighthouse. Yes. yes, absolutely. They're okay. they're barely they skirt the line. They're more dramas than actual like horror mm. terror. There are definitely terror elements. Like there is that that build up, and I think they are fantastic movies. But it's mm. hard for me to put them in the actual like horror or terror terror genre. But yeah, The Witch and Lighthouse are fantastic. I have never felt so differently about like one person's work than Robert Eggers because I think The Witch is one of the best. If you were going to categorise it as a horror, then yeah, it's one of the best horrors uh, ever made, I think. Um, whereas The Lighthouse absolutely cannot get behind that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know whether part of it is to do with the sexual content because... Like I'm asexual, but I totally understand that like the like 99% of the world isn't, and that sex is a like big important thing in like the majority of people's lives. But this movie has far too much people fapping over mermaids that are just <laughs> like it just it it physically makes me feel uncomfortable and cringe. Like I just I can't. Ugh. And then it's, all I feel of like that, it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, oh, it's definitely not made for titillation. Like, it's not a sexy bit of the no, at no. all. Because like, I can I can appreciate when a movie is being sexy, even if it's not appealing to me. I'll be like, yeah, I see what you're going for. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's more aimed at showing the madness in and of isolation that they're basically in. Yeah. See, I think that's where The Lighthouse failed a bit for me, because it felt like... Robert Pattinson was basically nuts from day one. I don't Turns think out was... they both are, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was communicated very well in the film that it's supposed to be about isolation and, and loneliness and stuff. Because to me, it feels like it's just two batshit people trying to live together, being batshit. Like, and I will happily watch a scene where Willem Dafoe defends his cookery, like, to no end. I love that bit of his Man. of that film. Like it's insane the bits of this film I really enjoyed. It's like fucking five minutes of Willem Dafoe going, You'll eat my fucking dinner. But yeah, like I just In like biblical proportion. <laughs> yeah, it was insane and I loved it. Um so but the intense, rest of yeah. the rest of the film just didn't really make it didn't really resonate with me at all. Mm. Um too much jizz just everywhere. 
Or is it tentacle juice? Who knows? Either way, don't like it. Uh, <laughs> like, it's such a funny film because we finished watching it and Rich was like, that was fucking phenomenal. And I was like, was it? And I had a real hard time trying to rate it on Letterboxd because I was like, right, I've got to give this a mark out of five stars. And I can... I will very happily say that the performance in performances in this movie are amazing from both of them. I will very happily say that it's a very well-constructed film, very well-made. Um, I could do without the repeated foghorn, but I see what they were going for in terms of like the madness. You know, you start feeling a bit bonkers by the end of the fucking movie because of that fucking foghorn and all the shitting seagulls. But similarly, it's just like, core, it's a whole lot of like nonsense and weird. <laughs> like, I just... <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, it's. I think on the surface, you're probably right. I just think that the the drama of it, the the character work itself, um, and the madness of it, I think, is its strongest uh, suit. I think it's really interesting. Hmm. I wonder if maybe I need to watch it again when I'm not feeling so weird in my own brain. I wonder if yeah. there's a lot of films I'm going to need to watch again outside of lockdown. <laughs> Because there's a strong chance that I'm just watching them with a nope kind of mindset anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to watch a movie about madness when the world we live in is utter chaos and madness. Yeah. I mean, to, to be fair to The Lighthouse, I think we saw that before, quite a bit before lockdown. So I can't, I don't think that was the problem with that film. But um, yeah, <laughs> such a weird one because I really do think The Witch is amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can totally see why people movies. loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm intrigued by his next film, which is apparently about Vikings and Alexander Skarsgård's going to be in it, so I'm game. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope he gets his top off. Um, what? <laughs> I love how I'm like, oh, yeah, sexy things don't do it for me, but Alexander Skarsgård with his top off. As long not? as he doesn't do, like, a furious fap in the corner to... Exactly, yeah. Some I disgusting for me. I don't know what it is about the sound of fapping. Anyway, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> also, in the lighthouse, like they intentionally make it so it's as disgusting as possible. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the 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 sound engineering in that film is wild. It's just wild. Like like I say, I, I appreciate a lot of things about this film, but the actual film is just like ooh. <laughs> It's a uh, yeah, such a way. I definitely couldn't recommend it, but also I kind of think people should watch it just for a laugh. <laughs> I think it's really good, at least for a once watch through. Um, on a second watch through, it's I still enjoyed it, but it, it was it was a little bit harder to sit through. Mm. Was it the foghorns that were doing you? <laughs> no, it wasn't the foghorns at all. It was just like the, the slow mm. build. You know, the tension builds when you don't know what's happening but then when you do know where it's going it's harder for that tension to to stick for me yeah yeah i can i can understand that um i've just realized how long we've been waffling so was there anything else you would like to waffle about that's no i think that's about it as okay. far as like movies and stuff go mm-hmm. well the, the only other film i was going to briefly talk about and when i say briefly i do mean briefly because it's quite new and i don't want to be the dickhead that spoils it is um andy sandberg's new film palm springs uh, is, that the one on, is that on Netflix or Hulu? I, yeah, one or the other, yeah. I forget, yeah. I forget where we get half of our stuff now because we've got a thousand and one streaming services. Like, I'm just like, yeah. watch whatever Rich puts on. Is that the on. one that's on HBO Max or Hulu or Netflix? <laughs> or Disney, or Disney or, Plus. Or, or Apple TV or whatever. Was that before. Amazon Prime? Yeah, Prime. Well, mm, who knows? It's on one of them, definitely. It's a sort of Groundhog Day-esque film about a time loop. 
that stars Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti, who are absolutely oh, no, no, no. adorable. It's uh, it's, uh, it's uh, Adam Sandler. You're thinking of Fifty First Dates. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm never thinking of Fifty First Dates. I can tell you now. I, I am a hundred percent never thinking of Fifty First Dates. <laughs> what a, it's kind of a cute movie. Oh, do you know what? I couldn't. I couldn't. I can't watch movies with Adam Sandler. Like I try. I really try. But I just find everything about his being eminently punchable. <laughs> you should see uh, Punch Drunk Love. Oh, okay. I've seen, I, I did watch Uncut Gems only because everybody was like, holy shit, this is like the opposite of an Adam Sandler movie and it's so fucking good. And then I watched it and I was like, no, I hate this too. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that one, yeah. Uh, it's um another one again that me and Rich had wildly different opinions of. He gave it five stars, I gave it one, I think. Um, To me, it's just a, a bunch of like shouting men for two and a half hours just shouting just shouting relentlessly and he's doing this weird sort of i don't know if it's like offensive of me to say because i don't know what accent it is but it's you know that accent that people do when they're doing a jewish person voice it's that Um, east coast jewish yeah it's just so bizarre and he's got these these false teeth that he very obviously can't act around like at all um and the whole film was just loud it was so loud he uh, is he is jewish so <laughs> we'll let him off with that then i suppose um i don't I just, know i don't have any opinion on this you can dig your own grave yeah. I just, I just have, I just had no time for this film at all. It gave me a headache, and I, when I had a look at the reviews on Letterboxd for it, a lot of people were like, "God, this film gave me anxiety. It's so stressful." I was like, "No, it's just annoying. <laughs> it's just annoying and loud. That's all it is." But yeah, that's that's just my opinion. I might be wrong. Anyway, Palm Springs, Andy Samberg, what an adorable man. Like, what a guy. I love him. He is fantastic in it. I, I only really know Kristen Milioti from her very brief stint as the mother in How I Met Your Mother. Um, <laughs> very brief stint. But she's absolutely fantastic in this as well. It's one of those films where, you know, people say, oh, it's a time loop movie, and you think, ugh, do we really need another one of those? But actually, it's 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 different to the ones that I've seen anyway, in the sense that it's more of a, it is more of a comedy, but it's also like, it's a, it's a rom-com essentially. And those two are absolutely adorable in the leads. I think I'd just watch Andy Samberg do anything, if I'm honest. I think he's just so, except Fap. I think he's just lovely. He's just such a lovely guy with his cute little malleable face. It's just a really funny, interesting movie. Sounds like a movie I should watch with Natalie. It's Yeah, it's really nice. It's one of those films that, like, you know, there's some fun, there's some japes, there's some Love silly... Yeah, I think, you know, we all need a good jape right now, don't we? So. That's <laughs> a good jape. I love how, like, if you look through my list of films I've watched this year, it's, like, mostly horror films. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? It's like, <laughs> why did everybody start fucking watching Contagion, like, in April? Like, what are you doing? So, yeah, this is very much a nice sort of, like, balm of a movie, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, if you're feeling a bit shitty, just throw this on. It's very nice. Um, you mean B-A-L-M bomb? Yes, yes, why? What did you think I said? I just, there is some uh, interpretation there. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's that's what I meant. Like a soothing balm of a movie. <laughs> I'll like just keep saying paper it. rub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, except I'm allergic to that, so not so much, but... Really? What part of it? The eucalyptus or the... the uh... I have... 
I have no idea, but it burns. Oh, it burns. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't like I that. Uh, can you use just conventional petroleum jelly? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, and weirdly, I can use like Olbus oil to clear up all the mucusy stuff in my head. So I'm not allergic to whatever is in that. Nobody on the other side of this podcast cares about this. <laughs> the episode before last, I introduced a new segment, and then last episode, I forgot about it. Because it was so new. <laughs> so um, in this segment, essentially, myself and my guest will be picking a song that we've been listening to for whatever reason that we think you might want to check out. The The point of this segment was because I used to get my guests to choose the intro theme tune and then I would choose the outro to the podcast so you'd get a bit of sort of music recommendation that way. But since I stopped doing that because I'm lazy and I just really like having a standard intro and outro, I thought I'd introduce this new segment. So I'm bringing it back, even though it's you know only been gone one episode and only been done on one episode um so cranny what have you been listening to that you'd like to recommend to our lovely listeners it was surprisingly difficult for me to pick a song <laughs> i was going through my spotify list of like all the songs i've liked recently and a lot of it is really heavy i don't know if you're familiar with the band uh, run the jewels yes love them yeah and but i was also thinking like i don't know if you need to get out some some rage run the jewels uh rtj4 came out a little while ago for free it's really good it's really raw um it's really makes me feel validated but i didn't want to play something that's kind of a a downer run the jewels like it 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 gets me pumped like it's great workout music but at the same time the themes are very heavy yeah uh, so I wanted to pick a song that really was just more how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went through a few, and some of them were a little too sad. I want to come with some little happy. So I picked uh, this one called uh, I'll Just Dance by Sue Lee. And I basically found it on Reddit. She's just a YouTuber that's been putting out music. And this song, I guess, has gone viral because it's got over a million views on it. But it's basically just this really cute awkward woman singing and awkwardly dancing about how how lost she feels right now and since she can't figure out what to do she'll just dance instead i think that's a good attitude to have (laughs) yeah i think it's really cute it is i used popped it over to me beforehand because i actually remembered this segment in advance enough to tell you about it (laughs) yeah Uh, rather than just springing it on you on you like a dickhead doesn't matter because uh (laughs) You told me like a week ago, but I didn't pick something out until like 9.30 this morning. (laughs) I basically woke up and was like, oh, got to pick a song. All right. Oh, oh, shit. Um, To be fair, that's more prep than what I usually do. I'm very prepped this episode because I had to write down all of my Fight Club theories so I didn't forget them. Um, But yes, you sent me a link to this song and it is, yeah, I'm in love with it. It's wonderful. It's... um, I was having a conversation with somebody at work the other day about how it's really difficult to sort of process what I'm feeling at the moment because on the one hand it's like I fully understand that like pretty much everybody's going through this right now in you know at varying levels and I don't want to be a burden to people by talking about how shitty I feel especially when I know that other people definitely have it shittier but similarly I don't really know what to do with that energy now that it's there and I don't feel like there's anywhere to put it So I personally have been finding that comedy podcasts and comedy songs have been a really good outlet for me to, (laughs) to like, just like let everything out in laughter. 
so I actually really appreciate the sentiment of the song basically being like, what even the fuck right now? So let's just have a dance. <laughs> it works really well with the music video, t- or with the YouTube mm. video too, because she is awkwardly just dancing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And she's really a, about as good a dancer as I am. So um, <laughs> if anybody's ever seen me at the Thoughtball Comic Con dance floor parties, you will know that that is a bit of a state. <laughs> well, it's, it's cute enough that it's passable, so you're probably okay. <laughs> I'm drunk enough at the time that I don't care. That's I will. Yeah, exactly. Those I would like spirits. to touch on what you said, though. I think it's important to tell people how you feel, even though you think everyone else feels the same, because it it does give people validation. It's like, yeah. wow, this person also has those feelings. I'm not. I'm not so alone. Yeah, that is true. I suppose I feel like the difficulties is I don't want to keep offloading to the same people. Like, I'm sure Rich is sick of getting up in the morning and being like, how are you today? And I'm like, haha, dreadful. Uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> but no, you are. It is important to talk to people about things. And um, but I do think, actually, while we're talking about this, even though this is getting a bit more serious than I was anticipating, it is very much worth checking in with people before you unload, though, because I have had a couple of situations during the lockdown where I've had to say to people look I am really really sorry that you're feeling that way and I love you and at any other time I would absolutely 100% be here for you but I do not have the spoons for this right now like I don't have eating my own brain to deal with what's going on with me and I I can't take on what's going on with you right now um I've had those moments too and I feel kind of guilty about it it's hard it is hard because you do want to be there for people especially because like you were saying mostly people feel roughly the same way so it's not like you know it's not it's definitely something i can sympathize with it's i suppose it's the helplessness of not having any answers that i find difficult so somebody says to me oh you know i'm feeling really shitty i can't see my mom or i haven't seen my boyfriend or blah 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 and it's like well yeah sorry lockdown's still a thing i can't do anything about it um yeah (laughs) let's have a cry together let's do that (laughs) i guess it's kind of kind of backtracking but another thing pop culture wise i've been listening to a lot i've been really getting into uh i've always been into meditation since i started therapy Mm -hmm. um quite a few years back it's been like seven years now and i've been doing a lot of meditation guided and i've been listening to a lot of uh meditation podcasts and it's not going to solve problems but I do find that it helps me be more comfortable with where I'm at and the emotions and the uh, sensations that I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just uh, my own take. I, I strongly encourage everyone to maybe check that out. And if you like, if you'd be interested, I have a link to some really great free guided uh, meditations if you wanted to include that with the episode. Yes, that would be fantastic. I was just going to say, actually, that I am going to put links to the YouTube videos for the songs that we choose in the show notes as well. So I assume the show notes appear on all the podcatcher thingies. I don't actually know because I don't pay enough attention to my own podcasts. But if they don't appear in the pod- podcatchers of your choice, then you can go to popcultureparlor.podbean.com to go straight to the show notes. I'm going to feel a bit daft putting out the song that I'm about to tell everybody to listen to now. But um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's um, possibly a good remedy for when you're feeling a, a little bit like shit and you don't quite know what to do with that and you want to cheer yourself up a bit. The other day, Rich said to me, hey, is this the best song you've ever heard or not? And then put on a song called Girls Club by Mark. Re- I want to say it's Rebelay, but it could be Rebelette. I don't know if you pronounce that T or not. And 
he put the video on and I watched a man create a song out of thin air uh, using loops. He's king of loops, loop king, loop daddy. About a man called Gary who wants to get into a girls club. And I'm not going to say any more about the song because I think going in without uh, any preconceived notions of it. But it is just funky, fun, hilarious, fantastic, excellent, cheery, uppy fun times. So... That, that is my choice, Girls Club by Mark Rebelay slash Rebelette, don't quite know. <laughs> I hope that you had a listen to it before um, before the episode, but if not, definitely go and check it out now, Cranny, because it's very funny. I feel like maybe it was a different song. This was a- Yes, about a butthole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about booties. Uh-huh, yeah. Which then kind of transformed into buttholes, which I tend to I tend to agree with his his notions. <laughs> it's yeah, that song is also fantastic and super funky and delightful. There is also a really great one about flamingos, um <laughs> which I would highly recommend as well, which is about how flamingos uh look unassuming and non-threatening and then they're not so much. Um <laughs> it's very weird. I don't know how my husband came across this. But I don't think I want to know because I'm just glad that I now have Mark Rebelay Rebelay in my life. So I'm very happy with that. <laughs> um, well, I was very uh, impressed with the butthole song. So Oh, good. Yeah. The other song. <laughs> highly recommend, highly recommend Girls Club. It is, I'm pretty sure we've watched it now ourselves at least 50 times because that, that, that particular song isn't available on Spotify. Like a lot of his other songs are available on Spotify, but for some reason Girls Club isn't, which I, I don't know why. Um, because it's fantastic and it should be. Um, mm. <laughs> but yeah, highly recommend. It does remind me, uh, are you familiar with the band Ween? Uh, I only know one song by Ween and it is purely because I googled songs with the name Stacy in them and they have a song called Stacy. Oh. Uh, that uh, that goes, I know a girl named Stacy. Her brain is kind of spacey. I like her more than Sue or Tracy. Do you know a girl named Stacy? <laughs> so, uh, quite like it. <laughs> they get a little weird and irreverent. They have a song <laughs> called uh, Boys Club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it, it's so funny to me. It just sounds like um, some 80s, like, shitty club song. Um, where they basically just say boys club over and over again Brilliant. with like bad like harpsichords and uh, <laughs> uh, little ukuleles. Oh, that sounds amazing. Look, this segment was supposed to be one song, so sure up you. Uh, <laughs> you know I love you really. Hey, that was episode 109 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlor. Cranny, thank you for coming and listening to my not as insane as I thought fight club theories. <laughs> Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I like I like talking about uh it's I feel like it's easy for us to talk about stuff even with with uh, contra- or, uh contradicting um opinions. Yeah. No, it's good. it's it's nice to have a conversation with somebody who is open to my waffles. Because <laughs> a lot of people are done with my shit cranny. They're just done with my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified that you were basically going to say that it was like a pro toxic masculinity movie. And I, no, I thought I was going to have to calmly like explain that, like, I don't think that's quite how it goes. Cause that's <laughs> the only way, like I would be upset with someone. <laughs> so you're like, Stacy, you're an idiot. <laughs> that's not how films work. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't say you're an idiot. I would try to make you understand that he's painting a negative picture of these people. Mm-hmm. 
Do you want to tell the lovely listeners where they can find you and Turtle PowerPod on that there internet? Yeah, we actually recorded an episode during quarantine. I don't even know if that's Yay! out yet. Kermit arms. <laughs> we're trying to get back into it, but uh, we're on uh, YouTube and we're on basically all the podcast networks. We're just Turtle Power Pod. Um, we're also on Twitter at Turtle Power Pod. And yeah, we basically watch episodes of... Uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1987 and then kind of waffle about it. <laughs> I am so intrigued about the latter seasons because I'm pretty certain that I, as much as I say I'm obsessed with the turtles, I'm pretty certain that I've only seen up to about series five of the 80s show. And so I feel like anything after that, and I'm pretty sure there's about 10 seasons, aren't there? Um, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, anything after that is just going to be insane to me, I think. <laughs> Yeah, the seasons get shorter and shorter. We're over halfway through, even though we're only on season five, because season four is like a million episodes. <laughs> because, of course, it is, because cartoons don't have any rules. Right. <laughs> um, I think Especially everybody... ones that are designed simply to sell toys to little kids. <laughs> oh, look at this new frog. Yeah, that's what everybody wanted in episode. Someone else. <laughs> Oh, everybody should go and listen to Turtle Power Pod. I think it's fantastic. I'm a little oh, bit biased thanks. because I do love Bassaman Cranny and the Turtles. But I feel like if you like any combination of those three things, then you should definitely listen to it. And thank you again for stopping by the parlour. It's been an absolute delight to talk to you. Thank feel... you. Thanks for having me. I feel like it's been slightly awkward because I can see you, but you can't see me. And I've been like wildly gesturing like a lunatic. And you you should get a webcam because last time we did a podcast together, like a year ago, you didn't have one either. I know I'm a terrible human being, but I have this, this really weird and um, I will shut up and end the podcast in a minute. (laughs) I have this real weird anxiety about technology and that I'm always terrified that I'm going to buy like the worst possible thing I could have bought. Um, and because I'm not like the world's richest person, I can't like buy a thing and then realize it's shit and just buy a new thing. So I just get anxious about, should I buy this thing? Probably not. I don't know. Oh, I'll just wait. And then I just never buy the thing. Like, well, even I've a shitty this... webcam would let me like, see you can your actually mouth see my, my stupid face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which helps um, which helps me understand your stupid conversation. Yeah, the uh, the microphone that I'm using is my is technically my shittest microphone that was. Um, I don't know if you know when we did the live show year before last, uh, we went through like four microphones on air because they just kept breaking. And this was like my backup shitty worst possible one. And I haven't bought a new one since because I'm scared because I don't know what type to buy. <laughs> such a big girl's place anyway look shut up stace end of podcast have a lovely july everybody and uh what the shit is that (laughs) why are you showing me a terrifying close-up of a baby i hope that's not your baby and i've just said what the shit is that at it (laughs) (laughs) stacy that's my fucking child and you better end the podcast right now Oh dear, right at the end. Bye everybody, we love you, bye. I love you. <laughs> it's nightmarish. Thank you for listening to Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. To get in touch with me, the titular Stace, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour, send an email to stacysparlour at gmail.com or come and join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite
quite spectacular actually. You can go to coffee.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah! <laughs>